resiliency 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 let me get up our show notes i want to i want to i'm gonna of fumble over that word really resiliency i'm gonna have to be you, resilient about saying oh, you, the word resiliency. oh you, you took it you took it away from me i was oh, gonna sorry. go there <laughs> i was gonna go i was absolutely gonna go there Entry music. It's the Bob and Josh show. As you can tell from that intro, we're talking about resiliency. I'm going to do my darndest not to fumble that word. It's one of those tricky things. It's hard to define, but everybody kind of understands what it is. First, we talk about what it is. Then we work through different ways that you can acquire more resiliency or help others acquire more of it. Make sure you hang out until the very end and find out what super famous, super well-loved Christmas movie, the Grinch that we call Bob, hates. Yeah, you'll be surprised. Before we go to the episode, are you watching this on YouTube? Did you know you can? Yeah, we now publish every episode on YouTube. There will be links in the description. And oh, by the way, if you want to see it even more real time, we now stream every recording session of every episode. So get in, be a part of the conversation, watch us, laugh at us, whatever you enjoy about the Metacast. We look forward to connecting with you. Enjoy the episode. Let's define it. What do we think is resiliency? When you like as characteristics of or aspects of it to you, like how would you know it if you see it in yourself or in others? The hard part I have with that is I'm sure there's a more classic definition, but in my brain... I view it as my stubborn, hard-headed way of the world of I'm not going to let anything stop me from getting to where I think this project, myself, a team, whatever, should be and not allowing myself to let those thoughts creep in of maybe this isn't going to work and keep driving. But I feel like that's a very hard-headed approach and potentially no. dangerous right because no, you no no because you on, might is... not no i let me hold on dirty dog and do you go too far right do you not know when to quit right like i go back to teradata yeah yeah, yeah. i can see that so but what i was going to say is let's be our definitions we're not academics we're not trying to define it for the harvard review yeah it's for the metacast yeah Okay. Embrace your definition. I agree with what you added to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking persistence. Or when I threw it out before you started talking, I was thinking dogged persistence, which is sort of what you were like, persist through things, be dogged, not take no for an answer. And I see some of that. So that's part of my definition as well. Another thing I might add is mope for short periods of time. I don't get mopey for long period. I do mope as, as you well know, Josh, <laughs> right? I wallow in self-pity or I mope for, but for short periods of time, then I sort of mentally pick myself up by my, I almost visually pick myself up by my bootstraps, right? Or by my suspenders or whatever. Yeah. Slap myself, you know, I almost have a, a ceremony where it's like, come on, Get a hold of yourself. Let's keep going. But allowing myself to mope a little bit. I think sometimes part of the self-care aspect of it is allowing yourself to sort of get it out of your system is maybe part of resiliency. Because I don't think, I think if you don't take a break or if you don't allow it to settle and then move on, you can burn out or you can get crispy or something like that. 
any other right. aspects to go ahead? I, just a thing that I think helps with that, and I've seen it in action and I've seen it work very well, is having a safe venting partner. Ah. There were a couple of folks at the dude where our architect would just get over the edge, fired up, and just were like, okay, you need to leave the building. But Richard Core, the scrum master, was a really good friend of his. And he'd be like, Josh, I got it. And they would go to lunch and the architect would vent and he just needed to get it out. And he needed a friend that could hear it say, okay, you're right. Or no, you're full of shit, whatever it might've been to just let him get that out and not hold yeah. it in. Different people are different. There are folks that need to get it out. So if you're that having a safe partner to do that with, and it's tricky because one of the challenges that could create for that other person is you end up putting all of your problems on them. And can they handle that? Is that fair to them? All of those things. But there's going to be that special person that that can hear it, work through it with you, and then just toss it out of the brain and they can keep moving forward with the stuff that they have. So that's another thing that I've seen work very well for people to get through those tough times. I think there's, as you were talking, I think that I'm reacting with, or thinking that there's two sides to that. There's the direct I can vent to someone, a partner. I'm going to use our relationship. I actually get re-energized or, you know, my resiliency rises just hanging out with you. And you don't know it. So I may be having a tough time and just hanging out with my buddy. Yeah. And having some positive energy re-energizes me. So I, I've actually had two modes with you. We can have a discussion about it. And I'm venting with you and you're helping. But there's also just hanging, don't let this go to your head. But th then there's just hanging out with you yeah. and, and it re-energizes me. And you don't even know it, but it really does. Or I might vent about something else and it yeah. just helps me build my resiliency battery. Maybe, maybe that's a metaphor. I talk about an energy battery when I talk about self-care, maybe a good mental model or a metaphor is to think of your resilience. Like, where is my resiliency? Where is it at now? Is it low? Is it moderate? Mm -hmm. And is it high? And maybe building the battery up when you don't need it. Like maybe a good pattern is build it up yeah. so that you can have it when you need it to help you, but not let it get too low so that you get hit between the eyes too quickly. What do you think about that metaphor? I'm just thinking through in the way my brain works. I'm not sure. Maybe it would. I just never thought of it like that. I just don't see my brain having these like reserves that help me be ready for the next time I get knocked down. Maybe it's, maybe I'm thinking about it differently, but like there's things I do and books I read that I think end up doing that where they end up setting me up for when that time comes that I've got another, I think it's another tool in the tool belt for me. I think that's the, I think that's the visual visualization that I have is how can I be ready for next time? And it's a, it's like, Hey, I need another weapon yeah. as opposed to some more juice. Again, well, think of it as a, as a reservoir, but I mean, think about it. So for me in teaching, for example, as an introvert, I can feel it when mm -hmm. I'm, when I haven't recharged my battery at the end of the day. So if I'm teaching a four day yeah. class 
and I've gone out for drinks or something with the class afterwards, the next day, I still can perform fairly well, but I feel internally, I have to push myself because I feel internally that I've run myself a little bit low. And I think the same thing might apply, I don't know, with resiliency, right? That so my ability to bounce, yeah. maybe it's the bounce back factor. Like how long does it take to bounce back? I, ju I just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm still munging on it myself. And I think that's part of the whole self-care thing is to make sure that you're ready. You're at peak performance. Those words are very strong for when something goes sideways yeah. as opposed to being drained. And I was out last night or I haven't been doing what I normally do, stuff like that. Definitely to your point, I think there's a, I think maybe it's a two piece thing where there's the, the energy to have what you need to bounce back. And then there's the tools and capability to use the energy in a positive direction to make yeah. that turn. So it's probably, you have to invest in both to make sure that you're ready whenever that happens because otherwise you might be out of balance and you'll be trying your hardest and maybe you haven't learned the tools and techniques yep. you need to bounce back and through things. I want to go back to something you said. You used uh, Teradata in your conversation earlier. And I think there there may be a case where you're overly resilient. Mm -hmm. You didn't say it quite that way, but I just wanted to, I wanted to circle back and bring that up. I'm, as I'm thinking about this topic, it's not just increase your resiliency, but am I being overly resilient, right? Am I, am I taking too much? Am I, <laughs> right, should I pivot? Or, you know, so yeah. should I stay or should I go? and Or stop and go or pivot or whatever. I think that's actually part of the resiliency toolkit is to look yourself in the mirror and make sure you're not being overly, it sounds odd, but overly resilient. Um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't figure that out until that moment. So I was, let's see, that would have been, I was 35 at the time when I figured that out. I had just doggedly backed up and kept running into the same wall and do it again, yeah. do it again, do it again for all of my career. So for a decade prior to that, that's just what I did. And I never allowed myself the time or space to like hit the pause button and say, okay, how much energy are you putting into this and is yeah. it getting returned? And that's the, that's where I got was I felt like I was expending so much energy to get this little bit of change out within that organization. And it felt like it wasn't worth it because we had made such great strides and now we were at sort of the tail end and it's like, well, yes, we can make it better, but it's going to require so much effort and energy. Let me go focus that energy somewhere else where I can have a greater impact. Yeah. Whereas you had more experience and you saw that sooner than I did. And you were able to recognize, oh gosh, yes, we can fix this, but it's going to take a lot and it's not worth the time and energy and hair you're going to pull out. Yeah. One of the things is, as we're talking, I'm thinking about the persona. So we're talking about pers personal resilience, but then I think of the role that you're in and leadership resilience. So let's go back to Teradata. I'm going to put some words in your mouth and then you mm -hmm. can just react. But I think part of your stick stickiness at Teradata, it, you weren't an individual contributor. You were a leader right. at Teradata. I think there's persona resilience or role resilience too. There's an aspect to it. 
where here's my personal resilience, but I'm leading a team of 50 people or 20, whatever it is. I need to show resilience for the team. I need to be resilient for my for the team. So I may be personally resilient at one level, but then I need to be maybe like using the battery excessively or whatever in order to show up as a leader or have expectations of that. And because people are then... People are feeding off of you as a leader. I think I feed off of my leader's resilience to some yeah. degree. Like theirs becomes mine. Talk about the leader. I'm trying to tee it up for the leadership aspect. What do you think about that? Yeah, I've been wrestling with that for the past five minutes of how can you infuse resilience within your organization? And I haven't been able to come up with anything other than just modeling resilience when it happens and things that i found is people respond well when something goes wrong and you're resilient but you're calm about it that then gives them the same calm whereas if you get reactive and start to flare up then you're gonna start to show the organization that one, can I handle this? And B, should I be acting that same way? Should I be freaking out? I'm not sure. Maybe you have thoughts or someone in the chat has different ideas of how to infuse that resilience within a group of people that, that you're leading beyond just doing it. I don't know if there's any tricks or anything there. I think you hit a highlight. I think it's the doing it. And a lot of leaders don't. So it's the question of, do you run the pressures on? Do you succumb to the pressure as a leader? Or are you the anchor for your team? There's two extremes there. Are you running around or are you the calm anchor? No matter what's happening. Yeah. And I think I think if you're running around, then you're the team may have resilience, but you're gonna erode it. They're gonna mo your modeling matters to the team. Yeah. Your model what you're modeling matters. You're setting the culture up, you're setting the ecosystem up by your role model. I people have told me that one of my superpowers is I'm calm under pressure. Yeah. Now I now if someone worked with me 30 years ago, when I, when occasionally I would blow up and throw things as a leader, they would have never said that. Right. <laughs> so I've, I've grown in that, you know, so the pressure has made me calm or maybe my age or whatever, but then that sets the tone for the resilience of the organization. Now, if I run my, if I run my back, going back to that battery metaphor or whatever, if I run that too low, Yes, I'm still calm, but I'm paying a personal, I'm, I'm burning myself out to try to stay yeah. calm. So the personal, I think there's a relationship between my, my leadership demeanor and that personal battery. But yeah, I don't know if there's any tools. Now, I do think people can learn that. So let's say there's the young Bob Galen out there in the team who doesn't have organizational resilience. And it's through, I remember once I threw my own Walkman. <laughs> I, I threw it across a room into a, walk. a wall. A Walkman, does, it, does that tell you the time frame, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So I, I took this Walkman and I ripped it off my hand. I threw it across the room <laughs> and it just shattered in the, in the wall. Yeah, that was a non-resilient moment. But I think you can, you know, that, I think people are evolving that role model you're leading by example maybe that's what i'm trying to say yeah that example can lead people there and they're yeah. not really it's not like a resilience class i'm going to throw that out there i don't think you have a class 101 on building or undermining your resilience i think it's one of those softer attributes that's developed over time 
two things. One, I think there might be a tool, but most importantly, were you able to save the cassette after the Walkman was destroyed no, or everything no. was shattered? Everything pieces? was shattered. I Oh man. Yeah. It was it was not a fine leadership moment for me. Yeah. 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 And I wasn't by myself. I was in Oh I'm no. <laughs> you were modeling <laughs> behavior. I was modeling the wrong behavior. Oh no. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a tool is agile. I think the process, I'm going to take, I think the process of agile creates organizational resilience because you're able to pivot and make the changes that are need to stay on course. Okay. As opposed to some of the other methods where you just keep, going through that death march there's nothing resilient about a death march maybe you think you're resilient because you're just gonna ride this thing to the end and you're gonna ship it yeah but it doesn't build a resilient organization because people start to dread things whereas as you implement an agile mindset and show that we're going to be resilient to all of the changes that are happening and here's how we're going to adjust i think that's another way to model the behavior so that your organization sees and feels that hey no matter what happens we're gonna be okay we're gonna figure it out and agile supports that capability for modeling that more often i think would be a good way to think of it as you as you were saying that and i I love where you're going i was thinking of the five scrum values and i don't know if i can articulate all of them but courage is respect is another is it transparency is another prioritization or focus is another. And then I think of this notion of pivoting, right? Continuous improvement, continuous reflection. I agree with you. And I didn't think about it as we went into this episode, but I think if you're practicing those things, they're resilience builders as opposed to resilience eroders. I don't know how resilient you'll become, but I think they increase whatever resilience you have. They can potentially build it up. Well, and really you would point. argue that Agile was created to provide resilience in a dynamic world yeah, where things are always changing and you don't get caught in that cost of change curve that we all, well, maybe people that didn't work back when we worked never saw that change curve, but okay. So yes, the actual thing we should do is pivot. Let's abandon this project or whatever the right answer is. Whereas before it was like, we are marching and we're going to make this happen. Well, I like the death march. I literally have been a part of death marches. I've Mm. read the book. I've read Jordan's book, Death March. There is a book. I don't know if you've ever read it where he defines it and explores it. That must have been a depressing writing endeavor for him to do that. But it's really a counterpoint to what is not resilient, right? Yeah. Is the essence of a death march is a non-resilient activity. It has, it, it does not want to deal with that at all. It's just trying to, it's sort of, you know, break you down to the ground <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So knowing what it's not is it kind of could be useful for the Metacasters as well to explore that. Anything else on resilience? What do you think? No, Coaches? I think roles. I, I, I Go ahead. Just trying to think of origin stories of resiliency and where that comes from. Is it just modeling is the only thing that we've really come up with of how you can 
trying to infuse that within your organization. So is it that you see resilience growing up and you model yourself after that or from a coach, a work, a boss, whatever it is, I think it's, I think that's it. I think you have to see it or maybe you just naturally have it. Just, just trying to understand how to help folks that are out there that are thinking, gosh, I'd probably like to be more resilient. What can I do? Well, I think uh, it's it tightly couples. We talked about it as I'm thinking about it. I think it tightly couples to self-care. It's not oh, okay. the same thing, but going out for a walk and if walking in nature makes you feel better than if you're in a death march. I'm just pulling an example out of thin air, then going out for a walk or buying a puppy named River and playing with a puppy and getting that energy or reading reading a science fiction book or whatever it is. Self-care kinds of things, I think, help build your resilience. Meditation, I think. If, you're, if you meditate, journaling, if per, private, anything pri, per, personal reflection, I think you've been getting more reflective, Josh, if I sense it, not journaling, but, yeah. but over the last 10 years, if I have not done this, I'm not, I'm actually doing it in real time. But if I think back on our interactions and I think about it today, you've, I think you've gotten more reflective over time, which is probably, I think that might stuff like that might build your resilience muscles. Yeah. In response to Steven in the chat, yes, there's a ton of sports references that are out there and those <laughs> rub, rub some dirt in it yeah exactly. th those are those are visualizations that certainly fueled like you go back to the rocky movies and things like that that is resilience in a bunch of directions so for me the television did a lot of the raising of josh so it was certain characters that i liked and i wanted to model myself after and be like that. And they all were those that would not give up. So that's an origin story for me as I built that up over time. And what I found recently is in my reflection, Robert, is that the thing that refuels me the fastest is watching seeing something be created. So YouTube has been a thing for me where there's all kinds of creators that are out there that have a 15 minute video of them building something and that their passion and enthusiasm for building the thing and the pride that they have, that is, that turns my little flame into a bonfire. And I'm like, all right, let's go, let's do this. That's the thing that I found that I just am starting to build a playlist of those that I can just put on the TV and I can turn around and see that and just be like, wow, that's freaking awesome. That's the thing that I found that works for me as of right now in 2022 or the end of it. So you intrigued me with your child of TV. So I don't remember the character's name, but Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Oh, is yeah. that a it, is that a resilient? I didn't see him until later, so it would have been like young. Like I was in introduced to like the Lone Ranger very early, and the Batman, Lone Ranger. Yeah, the Lone Ranger. So it was always like those lonely rangers. It really was like, those are the ones that I've always liked is the ones that are out and on their own doing the right thing because it's the right thing. 
and that's how I've modeled and like they never gave up but the odds are always stacked against them so that's the those are the characters that I've always liked and said oh like those are that's how I want to be so who's that yeah. what's that Stephen King no is it Stephen King there's the uh, gunslinger in one... oh yeah I never read it and they made a, a series they made or a movie, movie out of it they, they made yeah. a movie out of it that's that yeah. lone gunslinger I forget Gosh, the character. I guess I should watch it then Oh, no, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty compelling and, and a more modern day view. I wonder if we've explored the topic enough. I'm feeling like we've run the end of yeah, our yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. I feel pretty good. I'm just thinking a second. I think I do think it's an intangible thing, maybe to wrap it up. Yeah. And it's really inside out. It's intangible. Find role models. I do think maybe the key tool is and it's a dual tool is talk to people or find your metaphors and maybe do both of those things find your resiliency building metaphors movies videos or whatnot but also don't just don't just look at don't just look at them find someone who does it for you yeah that, that another thing that's been helpful for me is and steven's gonna laugh at me and he'll know why i've learned more about stoicism and Oh, what no. Is, uh, what what? Steven's not going to laugh at you. I, no, 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 go ahead. Please, please share. And I've been reading and studying about that more because that fits with where I'd like to live. But it is a lot of resiliency. And as a leader, setting yourself up, doing the self-care, doing all those things so that when something difficult happens, you are in a you're in a good position. So there's a handful of books by Ryan Holiday that I've been reading and studying and I now have spread throughout the house so my kids stumble upon them. So we'll have to have a stoicism and you'll have to lead it episode at one point. Yeah. And really, I know a guy in Europe who's a stoic. He's an agile coach, a stoic agile coach. I don't know much about his style. I like his style, yeah. but I haven't, I haven't done a deep dive into what stoicism is. So maybe we could do yeah, like an intro or, and, yeah. and how it can apply. Yeah. I want to come back to the role thing as a way of ending the episode. And I think there are certain roles in our space where you have to be building, think of it as muscles. And I, I want to encourage the Medicast to go out there and start working out and building their resiliency muscles. Two roles that really come to, one we explored was leadership. I do think to be an effective agile leader, you have to be resilient. You have to be working on that, not just for yourself, but for your teams, because they're going to feed off of you. I think as a coach, I see so many coaches that are just burned out. They're like, oh, they're just, the organizations have sucked the resiliency out of them, right? Or the lack of progress or whatever, and they need to work on it as well. So I, I think you need to bring, you need to work on that resiliency from a leadership perspective for your teams, from a coaching perspective for, for your clients. Otherwise, change roles or something. So maybe it goes back to that pivoting point. If you find that your battery is too low, maybe that's an indicator that it's not you. You have to go to another place to start building that resiliency elsewhere. How do how, react to that, Josh? I don't want to have the last word, but... No, I'm just thinking... Is that a mental gate you can put in place for yourself where if you're thinking about, do I want to step into one of these roles, understand the resilience that's required? And I, do you have that? And are your batteries charged? Is your yeah, tool belt broad yeah. enough that you can handle that? I think that's something that people 
underestimate as a challenge when they move into a larger role with more responsibility is the responsibility isn't just, hey, now this project is my responsibility. It's now your responsibility as a leader and the resiliency that you have to show, knowing that a decision that you make, not everybody's going to be happy. Not everybody's going to like it. How are you going to handle that? Or you're going to get your budget cut. What are you going to do? How are you going to coach and handle people? There's a ton of resiliency things that just show up all of a sudden when maybe you move into a different role. And can you check yourself and say, hey, am I ready for this? And I think that's something that often people overlook or they aren't coached well enough on of, hey, you have the tools that you need to be successful. And if not, how can we help you get them? so that you're ready and successful. I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to say it's not even, it's a gate. It's a thinking gate, but I don't know if you have to reject yourself. So for example, if I was a leader and my resiliency was low or lower, maybe you enter the company, go for it, but you ask Josh to be your mentor or coach, or you mm-hmm. find that you line up some trusted partners. You go immediately, you recognize that and you line up help, you line up coaching. I still yeah. find, I do leadership coaching and I still find it's a, it's probably a stigma that people look, people do not like to ask for help. There's a negative stigma associated with it in leaders. There's this view that I should have all of the tools and capabilities inside myself. And there's nothing wrong with asking for help to help. Yeah. So reach out to folks and line them up and then go take that opportunity and be yeah. working on your muscles along the way. Good point. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Rich. are we good? We're good. All right. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. And beautiful downtown Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. <laughs> and bake. Oh, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I in my in my class, they were talking about uh the movie. Um and and there was consensus that no one uh, what's what's it, the the uh, Will Farrell movie uh, Shake Talladega uh, Nights. Talladega Nights. Yeah. And it and it was this groundswell from my cow class of hatred towards Talladega. I know. I know. It just I don't know where it came out of, but it's like, have you seen it? Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. I had to I had to walk away. And it was just and, and I had to bring up that it is our it is our closing tagline. But you yeah. remember when I didn't want to watch it, right? Do you remember I know, that? I know. I know. Yes. It was the first few years. We were shaking and baking and I didn't know what the hell it meant. And then I and then I sat through it. And I still don't like Will Ferrell, but it's not a bad movie. <laughs> I still don't. I don't I understand struggle. how you don't like Will Ferrell. Like what? I struggle with what? One word. Elf. Okay. So people make bad choices, you know? But... Elf? <laughs> there, there, there are people that like love that movie i yeah. know 